What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Jonas. This is episode 39 and uh, yeah we've got a lot to talk about today and I've got a special uh, guest joining me on the podcast today and it's David Anderson. So David, welcome back onto the podcast. Uh, good to be hard. How are you doing, John? Yeah, very good. Not too bad at all. Not too bad. So we've got a few things we want to go through today. Obviously, we'll cover off uh, two very good episodes uh, of NXT and NXT UK a little bit later on in the episode. I do want to touch on uh, some rather concerning uh, ratings figures for the WWE of late, and uh, we'll kind of have a look at what you know what might be the cause of that. I think a lot of us have got uh, some obvious answers there, but we might also try to you know uh, do, do do a little bit of uh, pl- plugging of holes, shall we say? Try to come up with some uh, some quick wins or some uh, long term solutions if we can. And uh, we're also going to talk about uh, a trip that you had. Now I know you you live in Liverpool, don't you, David? I do, yes. Ah, so you wouldn't have had too far to go because uh, you attended uh, the uh, kind of the WrestleCon of the UK for the Love of Wrestling event last weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, first of all, before uh, any of that, just a few plugs for the show. Um, you can, of course, uh, follow the show on Twitter. Uh, just go on to twitter.com forward slash wrestling with Jonas. That's at wrestling with Jonas underscore pod. Um, if you want to follow us uh, on Twitter, you can uh, follow us on Instagram as well. Just go on to instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Jonas. And of course, uh, go on to our ever popular Facebook group, which David is a part of. Uh, just go on to uh, Facebook and search wrestling with Jonas and uh, join in on all the fun and uh, shenanigans that goes on there on a daily basis. But, um, uh, once again, welcome to the podcast, David. And uh, yeah, we'd love you to tell us a little bit about your your uh, trip to the uh, for the love of wrestling events last year. Now, my understanding is that it's the kind of the first event of its kind, or possibly the first by these organisers. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the background to it, how you found out about it, um, and kind of obviously there was a lot of famous uh, wrestlers that attended from the states, um, and uh, you had quite a few meet and greet tickets. So tell us a little bit about. Um, the uh, event you went to last weekend, how you first heard about it, and kind of what got you interested? Well, basically, obviously, it was uh, mostly through social media, Facebook and what have you, and, uh, you know, um, for the love of wrestling's own, uh, you know, sites and what have you. But um, I'd attended a couple of events, uh, uh, Liverpool Comic Cons and whatnot. I'd, I'd just give them a try. It's not normally my scene, but there were obviously there was wrestlers appearing, so uh, easy yeah. money. But um, I also did uh, Wales Comic Con and uh, met Trish Stratus, who was lovely, and uh, went above and beyond for fans. But, uh, you know, it, it's like, res- as we all said, wrestling Christmas for um, with an event like For the Love of Wrestling, and you've got Undertaker Pierre and Ric Flair and, and you know, many more besides. So, yeah. it, obviously, for a wrestling fan like me of many years, it, it's... It, you, you, it's a can't miss prospect, isn't it? And, Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, on the day it was a fantastic experience. A little bit of a bad start, weather-wise, but you, not even the person who was on the page can blame blame uh, the organisers for that. But that, <laughs> no. that, that certainly wasn't going to put a dampener on the spirit of everybody. And over the weekend, you saw a lot of wrestling fans who had never met each other before interacting, chatting, and that's that's what it was all about. More than just uh, meeting wrestlers and getting autographs, which was obviously you know what everybody was there for but that community spirit was was fantastic you know you saw people that were total strangers finding each other's photos for them uh, and you know it's t- helping each other out and, and and that's the positive side of wrestling fans you know we get a lot of 
um, stick for being so pessimistic and um, and fickle and what have you. But yeah. there was such a such a good atmosphere around there, you know. So well, absolutely, I can relate to that because when I went to WrestleMania last year, I went to New Orleans by myself. Didn't have any any friends or family really? accompany me, so I <laughs> uh, went uh, however many thousands of miles to New Orleans by myself. Didn't know anybody out there, uh, but you didn't feel alone at all. I mean, you were around, uh, like say, a community of wrestling fans. That's what they're there for as well. And there's a lot of people uh, in a similar situation to myself that went out there by the, by, uh, by themselves, or there was groups of lads that um, you know were, were happy to when they saw you in a wrestling shirt, they knew what you were there for, and straight away you were you know part of that community once again. Although they might have been from a completely different country, um, you're all there for the same reason and exactly the same as the event you went to over the weekend. So tell me a little bit about some of the some of the meet and greet, some of the wrestlers that you uh, uh, got to spend a bit of time with, some of your interactions. Yeah, well, I had uh, 11 meet and greets all together. Unfortunately, Jeff Jarrett was uh, had to pull out for um, reasons that I'm not sure. I think it was something to do with his flight, and also he, he had their uh, business with WWE or, or work or whatever, what you want to call it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, these things do happen, but it, it certainly didn't, uh, damp, you know, damp my spirits at all. Um, I had... Obviously, the big one uh, would be the Undertaker, and you know it's surreal to, to be able to actually, in Liverpool of all places, meet uh, somebody of that stature. That that's that's a dream one. That's a, what oh, I'd love to, to happen, but it's never going to happen, you know. Mm. And 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 then Ric Flair, Bugatia had uh, Chris Jericho, Teddy Biasi, right down the line. And the the main thing about it is, you know, you hear good and bad about this one and that one, and experience fans have had. But everybody couldn't have been nicer. You know, it didn't matter if it was Scott Hall, Teddy Biossi. Uh, even even though I didn't have um, autographs with them, where you tend to get more time to speak to wrestlers and interact with them, and you know, get across what you want to say. Uh, even in those few moments that I had with them, to say hello and you know, I've always enjoyed your work and it's a pleasure to meet you and stuff like that. They couldn't have been more accommodating. They couldn't have been more nice. There was one lovely little moment where uh, a lot of us fans that were waiting for Jericho got to see. We had a little bit of a wait, but it was made better by the fact that when he was walking down, there was a barbershop um, set, <laughs> and there was a little there was a little kid and his dad getting a picture, and Jericho decided that he was going to jump in and photobomb the picture, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> and I did tell him so as well, and he just laughed about it. So. <laughs> fantastic. Now, was there uh, any live wrestling there, David? Uh, I've seen one or two clips of things, but uh, did they have wrestling going on throughout the whole weekend? If so, what groups were being represented? What, what matches did you see? Um, tell us a bit about the wrestling there as well. Well, there was Future Shock. It was on the Saturday evening. Unfortunately, due to the fact that I'd been there for about seven hours at the time, being old and um, you know, and I uh, had to had to go home and rest. But <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, Pete Dunne turned up in the Battle Royal, so that was a nice surprise. Um, I, you know, he was there, so it was kind of hinted at. But it's still, a, a, he got a huge pop, and the, uh, obviously a big a big deal for everybody that was there. So that was included in the price of entry. So an extra bonus f- uh, for everybody. Um, I think the only knock that everybody had against, uh, obviously, as I just spoke to, being there all day long when you're there from 10 o'clock until maybe 5 o'clock is there wasn't quite enough to do. But it's a, it's a work in progress, and it's the first type... I mean, they've done Monopoly offences, obviously, involved with doing these cons at Liverpool and wherever, but uh, and they do a fantastic job. But this was the first time they were running a purely wrestling event, so I think they really did a good job, but it, it was just the tiny little 
problem that people had with it was if you were there for the long haul, there needed to be a little bit more to do. But I'm sure when it comes to next April and, you know, for the love of wrestling too, get your tickets now, people that are out on sale. Yeah. Um, you know, that I'm sure they'll have sorted that and there'll be more for kids, maybe face painting. I think even the adults wanted there to be Sting or Ultimate Warrior or whoever, but that would have been a nice little thing. And I had an idea about maybe fans being able to trade stuff and, you know, merchandise and belts and what have you. I don't know, the economics and the, you know, the with the way they've handled that. But I'm sure there can be more added to it. It's it's a jumping off point and I, I know it's going to get bigger and better and I, and I can't wait for one and I know you're going to go along with uh, Matt as well. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be there. I said it's going to be myself, Matt Bayliss. I know that uh, uh, you're going to be there and uh, I think just about everybody that went to this event have probably already purchased their tickets for next year because I've not seen any negative press about it no no facebook posts nothing on instagram negative it all seems to be very very positive i mean you mentioned that there could be you know more to do and maybe they'll add some more to do next year i think the face painting idea for the kids is fantastic i don't know if they had any uh, cosplay competitions but they you you saw a lot of photos of you know people dressing up as their favorite whether it be the undertaker or sting and you know uh you know so i'm sure there's a lot more they can add into it next year and i'm sure they will but uh, it sounded like an amazing an amazing event and of course i think the very next day they put tickets on sale so they obviously had that plan they knew they were going to do that but uh, um i don't think they realized until the end of day two how much of a success it was going to be and i don't think the organizers could have been any happier to be honest with you yeah, and I think because they put on such... I mean, I, I managed to get my meet and greets with wrestlers pretty much to time or within a very short time, and I can't speak enough to how well organised it was. People got through, got the pictures, um, you know, queued up, and they didn't have to wait for ages. Even my Undertaker queue, you know, there was like 800 people to 1,000 people a day waiting to meet the Undertaker, obviously. But when you're waiting to get your printouts, you, you didn't wait any more than 20 minutes. And if you were wearing something that they could kind of point out, I mean, I, I bought myself an NXT hardware, which was bright yellow on the front, and obviously they were going, oh, you know, you and the yellow hat, so they were making an effort <laughs> to really make sure, yeah. and they were, they're very jovial, there was, there was a, you know, people there on those booths um, for two days, solid, standing up, and, you know, not really getting much time to have a break or anything like that, and they were still very nice, very friendly, very positive and very helpful. Yeah, and, and going back to one thing you said earlier, and I, I know this from going to similar events, and certainly WrestleCon last year, th- it is quite exhausting. Uh, like I say, I think early entry is from 9am. I don't know what time they ended each day, but you're talking a good seven, eight, nine hours per day. You, you know, you need to be su- superhuman uh, to be able to uh, last out two days walking around a convention like that. But uh, um, yeah, it, it sounded like a, a fantastic event. And I think that with everything I saw within the first day or so, definitely sold me on wanting to get a ticket. And I can't wait for next year. So it should be fantastic. Let's hope that a lot of the same wrestlers turn up for those that weren't lucky enough to attend this year um, and a, a lot of new ones besides. I think that um, when wrestlers that didn't come along and see what a great success it was and how much money they can make as well, I'm sure they'll all be over. So it could be, uh, yeah, it could be twice as much to do and twice as many wrestlers to see as well. So uh, yeah, it sounds like a fantastic event. At least you got to meet The Undertaker, unlike uh, uh, myself, um, because um, yeah, I, I, I of course had tickets for the Inside the Ropes uh, spoken word tour for The Undertaker and that got changed a couple of weeks out because of um, WWE signing The Undertaker up to uh, a long-term contract. 
and they put a stipulation in there saying that they didn't want him to do any kind of uh, spoken word Q and A type tours. So uh, the Undertaker still came over for the for the Love of Wrestling uh, convention for photographs, um, and he did still meet um, the Inside the Ropes uh, crowd for, for anyone that purchased meet and greet uh, VIP tickets. But uh, that was all before the main show behind the scenes so um, if you just had a general allocation ticket for the uh, spoken word tour you didn't of course get to see uh, The Undertaker unfortunately but we did have Mick Foley as a replacement and he was an excellent replacement and uh, he reminisced about um, The Undertaker and the matches they've had with uh, I would say The Undertaker and uh, Mankind being you know the, 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 the greatest of rivals for one another and some of their matches are legendary and of course everybody uh, speaks about the Hell in the Cell match but I know that The Undertaker and Mankind had a lengthy few even before that match and had many many good matches and in fact I credit Mick Foley or Mankind the Mankind character for being the first wrestler to really give Mark Calloway or The Undertaker uh, the wrestler kind of his first kind of proper challenge really as a wrestler because before that The Undertaker was only really ever paired up with kind of gimmicks and monsters and your Kamalas and your giant Gonzaleses of this world and then Mick Foley came along and actually gave The Undertaker some proper wrestling matches so I don't know if you agree with me there David but uh, uh, 100% agree and I'll tell you why because I was standing in the queue with two lads that were dressed up as various incarnations of The Undertaker I think yeah. one was from his uh, purple um, booted period you know where he, I think it was around 94 and the other one the more gothic uh, recent Taker mm. that we've seen and I actually referred the 1996 Undertaker as Wrestle Taker because he went from being the zombie character yep. to being to showing that he had more work rate when he was in the feud with Mankind and obviously he gave a lot to Mankind considering that Mankind was very new to the company he could have been the typical veteran where oh, you know who's this guy he's just come from the Indies and whatnot but they, they gave and took and th- th- those two names almost go hand in hand now you think of the Undertaker you think of Mankind you think of Hell in the Cell you think of the Boiler Room Brawl and all that good stuff you know so yep. that, that must have been fantastic for any wrestling fan that was it that Undertaker event to get that added? But I mean, obviously they lost, you know, the Q and A and whatnot, but, yeah. which was a shame and a bit of a last minute thing. And whether that was WWE's fault or not is another story for another time. But uh, having Mankind there, I mean, when I heard that, I'd seen other friends that had put that he was there, which I didn't know about, and that that's a fantastic bonus. And you, you managed to meet him and get autographs and all that. that that's that's a fantastic, you know, boon. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, uh, that might be uh, some more stories for another podcast. But uh, let's jump straight into uh, the WWE topic uh, of the day. And uh, like I say, I, I don't want this to dominate the, the episode too much, but uh, you're probably as aware as I am about the, the, the news about the rating slump. And this has been a, a, a trend now, not just for weeks, not just for months, but for the last few years. And it seems to have reached a point now where... You know, the WWE are really starting to acknowledge it before they would kind of put it down to, you know, the internet factor that uh, people are um, consuming their wrestling by different means, whether it be on YouTube or maybe uh, watching it on different days of the week. They're recording it and catching it the next day or two or three days. I don't know whether all of that kind of um, filters into the overall rating. But I mean, if you look at SmackDown alone for this week, it drew 1.8 million viewers um, and that is nearly... that is over a quarter of a million viewers fewer than just a week before Um, and it's the lowest number of viewers since Smackdown Live went live three years ago and in fact you have to go all the way back to New Year's Eve 2015 to find a lower number for Smackdown so 
but it's not just isolated to SmackDown, as you're fully aware. So Raw is a much better with ratings uh, falling between 25 and 29% lower than the same time last year. And of course, there's been a steady decline with Raw ratings for the last few years now, to be honest with you. Uh, the WWE uh, earnings... Uh, for the, the previous full financial year was down year on year. You may have heard, especially in live event revenue. Um, and uh, we've, we've both seen uh, pictures with a massive amount of empty seats in uh, in arenas around the country uh, from you know, people sending photos from their live events or from Raw or from SmackDown shows. Now, don't get me wrong, WWE still made an astronomical uh, figure of earnings for the last financial year with them doing amazing business with uh, licensing and merchandising dice, a television rights deals, and of course, the sweet Saudi money and the Australian money, of course. Um, but uh, now a couple of things come to mind. Um, the WWE um, have the largest roster of any wrestling company in the world. Um, and even in their history at present time, uh, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, uh, they have over 200 wrestlers on their payroll um, at the moment. So that's including anybody in developmental slash NXT slash NXT UK and the main roster brands, of course. They're actively signing up as many talent um, from the independents as possible, possibly to prevent them from signing with other companies. And we'll talk more about AEW in a minute. Um, so, you know, they definitely have the talents and can definitely produce outstanding in-ring action, as we know. Um, but are the talent being used properly all of the time to satisfy the TV audience, you know? Um, you know, seasons wrestling fans like myself uh, and David might say no. Uh, then you have the, the Fox deal started in October, uh, where SmackDown will be aired on Fox in one of the biggest money deals for a weekly pro wrestling show in history. Uh, and Fox will, uh, I'm, I'm sure, will not put up with the low ratings such as we've seen um, on recent weeks. Uh, you also have the AEW factor uh, starting later on this month with Double or Nothing. Um, and their roster is getting deeper as the weeks go on, uh, and we'll almost certainly pull in the viewers uh, from any fans who feel disenfranchised with the WWE products at the moment. Uh, now, you only need to look at Raw uh, from the last couple of weeks, and you have like the, the Bray Wyatt products with the Firefly Funhouse segments, which have been a hit, and people have genuinely been interested in, in what's happening and with the character. Um, they, they seem to be intrigued with the disturbing nature of these segments. But to be honest with you, and this is a question for you, David, you know, what else has caught your eye on the last couple of weeks worth of SmackDown or Raw that would you know, keep, 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 keep you tuning in week after week? And like I say, the, the new Bray Wyatt development and the Firefly uh, Funhouse has been intriguing. But I even kind of you know, saw one of your posts on Facebook where you said that that was the only thing that really made you stop and kind of and watch uh, and pay attention. And the rest was filler i mean what would you say about um raw and smackdown certainly over the last few weeks and has there been anything else that would make you want to tune in again next week you know after all that it's like where do you even start with it um i think as you said of the ratings have declined um steadily in the last few years but that's directly correlated i think with a product that is just rinse and repeat and recycle. Fans want something new. Obviously, AEW is coming along, and fans are you know intrigued for that. This new roster, this new company, this new um, management, and where he's going to go. He's obviously a wrestling fan. That doesn't guarantee that just because you've got money and that. But we'll see where that goes, and hopefully there'll be something to motivate Vince McMahon because obviously we need that. He's week to week. He's not listening. We had this where you had all the McMahons and Triple H in the ring. Uh, this 
this is a new regime, this is a new era, and it just reminded me of one of your WCW reboots, you know, where they're, oh, you, let's, we're starting again and we're going to listen to the fans, mm. and within a, within a week or two we were back to, you know, Finn Balor wrestling, um, Baron Corbin ad nauseum and things like that. The reason why I've, I, I mean, I saw, a, there's a fan I have on my friends called, uh, I think, he, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but his first name's Jua, and he, and he watches purely um, Japanese wrestling, and he's very, I know, I know he used to be a WWE fan, and I'm sure he checks in on it because he's very well informed. Mm. And uh, it, it, he said, you know, wrestling fans, WWE fans, are watching Raw out of habit. And I had to sit there and put hand on heart and say, that's exactly what I am doing. Because for years and years and years, you know, we all sit there and we all go, maybe it'll be better next week and maybe we'll have this spark that things will start to improve. And you see things like the Firefly Funhouse and you think, well, maybe there's hope and yeah. maybe this is going to be the... the the Bray Wyatt finally breaks out, but then we also sit there and remember this fantastic character in 2014, where the Wyatt family and the Shield were standing at the, you know, the Elimination Chamber, ready to have a six-man tag team match, which was fantastic. Mm. And even before they touched each other, you had the fans sh- shouting, "This is awesome!" It was electric. Why? Yeah, it was fantastic. It, I remember it, that match specifically. Yeah. Yeah, because it had been built, the characters had been built on NXT, in the case of the Wyatt, the Shield had come in and flattened pretty much everybody, including The Undertaker, CM Punk, you name it, they went through the roster, they destroyed everybody, they were built as killer characters, they were built as top characters, they were built as attention seekers, people that you must see, people that you must tune in for. You know, Finn Balor, uh, I said, you know, the, I said to somebody at the, for the love of wrestling, the best opportunity he had when that, I think it was the Raw 25, when they had the club and the, um, the X in the ring, that should have been the time that they turned Finn, because let's face it, he's been treading water, he comes out, he grins, he puts his collar up, he throws his hands up in the air, and then mm-hmm. he has the same match every week. I love Finn Balor, but unfortunately, like every other character, he's become like a, a facsimile of himself. He, he, he's, a, he's a cartoon version of the good wrestler and that's not it is the wwe booking but it's just the the way raw specifically i mean i can watch smackdown i can watch nxt which everybody knows is my jam mate like yeah. i said on facebook um uh, nxt is what raw should be and what fans are crying and everybody's saying well when triple h takes over that that's going to be that's going to be the fix i don't think so immediately you know raw is is become this uh, it, it's I, I can't even put it into words really it's just so uh, I, i'm watching it on fast forward I'll, I'll stop and i'll maybe in three hours quarter of an hour might take me fancy if seth rollins or aj styles or some more work rate related guy or somebody that's entertaining in some way i mean you know you had elias who we all had hope that would be a new heel character that would, might catch interest in it. He's not the most fantastic wrestler, but he's an intriguing character. But there've been, you know, so many weeks of him sitting with his guitar. So many. You know, now he's going to be a face. Oh, hang on a minute. He's gone back to being a heel feuding with Roman Reigns. Let's have some. The reason why NXT works, and you know this yourself, John mm-hmm. Bray, being a longtime fan, is characters. Uh, you know one side or the other, they're built up as the, you know, uh, arrogant heel or, uh, you know, a baby face that overcomes the odds like a Johnny Gargano or something like that, and they stay that character for a good while until, you know, change is needed. With with Raw, you don't know where you are from one way. Somebody's turning, and Big Show's turning, and Elias is turning, and this one's turning, and that one's yeah. turning, and, and it breeds indifference. That's it, and it's the continuity, like you said, you know, you, you, you don't know, uh, you know, whether one person's a face or not from one week to another, and I mean, 
Tony, you you touched upon um, NXT, and and both you and I are, are very very you know passionate NXT fans because they do tell decent stories. They, although it's only an hour a week, they actually invest the time properly to tell a decent story which has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and they don't kind of blow it off in one week. Like you know, with some storylines that WWE have tried to tell on the main roster, where they've you know started a, a story on week one, and by week two they, they, they've kind of you know blown it straight away uh, it's almost as if they've changed their mind or they've got fed up with it in that week they just haven't given it time and uh, this is why the the Bray Wyatt thing is so different and yes it's only two weeks in but it has been different it's been a bit edgy it's been a little bit creepy uh when I first saw it I just thought oh, what what's Bray Wyatt doing playing a uh you know a kid's tv host and then you kind of listen to it and you watch it a second time you think no that is quite disturbing and you know if they keep moving on that that's great but it's different and it's new and it's a bit edgy but sometimes you think that WWE aren't prepared to take that risk and when they do they sometimes bottle it and kind of you know push it off to one side but you mentioned earlier about you know when Vince McMahon has has moved on or whatever and Triple H takes over will it be different there's a lot of skepticism well you know they've got uh, you know stockholders and shareholders to look after and it will kind of remain the same but then you look at the product that Triple H is uh, producing in NXT and you kind of think well if it's kind of somewhere in between or a bit more NXT than Raw then maybe it could be a good product with decent matches and he pushes the right wrestlers and decent storylines but I heard that I, I think it was this week's Raw they were still doing the script up to four minutes before it I went on air up to four minutes before it was and that is just mind-blowing for yeah. you know a three-hour show and yes i'm sure it takes a long time to produce a three-hour show but they should be working on it from the minute you know the previous week's episode finishes so they should you know and, and it should be a continuation of what happened you know a, a rolling cycle and they should have that story arc but it's like two rows ago so last monday you had the introduction of Robert Roode. Uh, this is the, the, the heel Bobby Roode that we've been waiting for. He was an excellent heel in NXT, um, an excellent NXT champion. Uh, had had that kind of that playboy, arrogant sort of persona. We haven't seen that heel since he's been up on the main roster. And it must be oh, probably getting on for a better part of two years since he's been up on the, on the main roster now. I think he joined just after uh, WrestleMania. Um, did he lose the championship to Nakamura? A couple of WrestleManias, yep. yeah, yeah, and um, a couple of takeovers ago, WrestleMania season. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, but uh, and then, yep, yeah, he got turned heel last week. The moustache caught a lot of people's attention. They thought, right, okay, they're doing something with him, turning him heel, giving him a slightly different look. Yes, he can be the the heel Bobby Roode that we all remember fondly from uh, from NXT. And then he's not on this week's show. You're thinking, well, similar to the Bray Wyatt thing, they had something there. Why didn't they follow? You know, people are intrigued. That was the two things that jumped out at me from that edition of Raw was was Robert Roode and the new Bray Wyatt skits. And, you know, they only followed through on one of those. Um, And, of course, continuity two weeks ago, although I disagree with this booking, you had Robert Roode defeat Ricochet. Um, And then this week, Ricochet is a contender being put into the Money in the Bank match when he lost the previous week. So there's no kind of development there in terms of, you know, why isn't Robert Roode in the Money in the Bank match? Because he won the week before. Or why didn't Ricochet get the win the week before to earn his spot in Money in the Bank? So just see what I mean. It just seems to be very disjointed, I suppose you could say. Um, and another thing with NXT, and, and you mentioned it very well, we, we love NXT because it's got that call factor. It's got the, the matches. They don't necessarily tamper too much with the with the you know the character. If they've bought a gimmick from the Indies, they, they kind of you know mould it a little bit. But then when that character comes up onto the main roster, 
they have to kind of tinker with it a bit too much and it loses its cool factor and it's like with the ricochet music the entrance music and they've added ricochet sound effects or with alistair black coming up from you know from 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 the stage and they've got the, the creaking door noises and they've just turned those excellent cool characters into kind of cartoon portrayals of themselves and they lose that cool factor and you know the the, the type of audience member that you want to tune into Raw and Smackdown uh, would ideally be the uh, wrestling fans that loved watching the Ricochets and the Alistair Blacks on NXT want to bring them in but you're kind of alienating them by changing the characters a bit too much and I think there's probably maybe only a 10% success rate of wrestlers that they've brought up from NXT onto the main roster that have actually gone on and done anything half decent so you know tell us a little bit about that side of things David because they do you know and maybe this is the Vince McMahon effect but they do tend to kind of spoil or ruin the character a little bit and and kind of they put off that fan that you want to bring in from the NXT product surely it should be the same fan but it's not they're almost catering to two different audiences I don't really know. I think the biggest problem, I know Vince kind of checks in on NXT, but I don't think he understands the characters sometimes. I think in the bigger picture of things, the the solution and the problem, the problem is, is that Vince, in, in the main event especially, is afraid to make anybody too big a star. It's like the company is the star now, not the star. It's like they don't want to make anybody too big because he's so afraid, I think, and I think other people have touched on this, of being stung again by a CM Punk or even when Austin briefly took his ball and went home, as he as he put it, and mm-hmm. you know, making the star bigger than the brand, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's his own uh, you know, paranoia, call it what you will. Um, the solution we all know, I think, is... Um, Less is more, and NXT has proved that. It's the old school booking philosophy. Um, NXT takeovers only happen four or five times a year, and they're fantastic every time we think they can't surpass what they did before. They prove us wrong in some way or another. You know, um, and we need that sort of anticipation for events. If you're having pay-per-views that are sometimes only five or six weeks between, if that, sometimes it's only, you know, I mean, I, I used to be able to sit here as a younger fan and tell you exactly when the next event was going to be and, you know, all of the inf- intricate information, but now sometimes somebody will say, oh, there's a pay-per-view this Sunday, and I'll go, was it? You know, it's it's just become so unimportant. Um, I can remember sitting here in April of 92 and waiting for SummerSlam of 92 mm. because it was booked so well and it was in all the papers and you knew what the card was going to be. There was minor changes and people left and things had to be changed. But f- for the most part, I mean, you used to hear that once WrestleMania was over that Vince would start booking for the next WrestleMania. Now, yeah. maybe this week on Raw they had some last-minute problem and, oh, God, this and we need to rewrite this and all that. And maybe that was the reason why it was only finalised just minutes before. But, you know, Vince was never that way and he's got such a big <laughs> creative team. You know, that, that's another story for another day in and of itself because mm-hmm. we know that a lot of these people aren't wrestling people. You, know, you look at the success of NXT and it directly correlated to the people like um, Michael P.S. Hayes and Shawn Michaels and uh, everybody else that's booking down there are wrestlers with wrestling minds or at least have been around the business. Uh, you've got people coming from sitcoms and soaps and this, that and the other. No wonder it looks like a cartoon. No wonder yeah. if they haven't got a clue what they're doing. So that's the, that's the problem. And the solution is, I think, to have more wrestling minds involved with the product. And for, 
Vince to stop micromanaging every little nuance of everything. We all know, despite the fact that he's distracted with the XFL right now, that everything has to go through Vince. I'm not really concerned about the little sound effects they're putting on a ricochet. I am mm. concerned more that they bring up such a big star as that and have him lose to Rude when there was any amount of people that could have used in that role. It's not a big thing in of itself, <laughs> but it, it kind of, maybe they were just testing the waters to see how Ricochet copes with a loss on the main roster and his attitude towards that behind the scenes and everything yeah. else because we don't want another Leo Rush situation. Uh, and, that, and again, that's hit the headlines lately about his attitude where he believes he's a main eventer. Some people say that as confidence. Some people say it as arrogance. Personally, I think you know the, it, more power to him if he's got the guts to go back stage and say, I'm going to be a headliner. Don't they always say, if you're not in this company to be the world champion, then what are you doing here? You know, he's an undersized bloke, but so was Daniel Bryan. So, you know, it's it's that knife edge that must be backstage that, like, you, you're told one thing, but then when you do that, you, you're in trouble. So I think there needs to be a whole complete change of the, the product on the TV, the attitude of management, the attitude of wrestlers. It, it, you know yourself, if you go to a job and there's such this micromanaging and, um, you know, just a, such an oppressive regime, yeah. nobody's, nobody's going to, um, you know, flourish in that environment and everybody's going to be miserable and you're not going to get the best out of them. I mean, people want to stay on NXT. You, le- you legitimately see um, Johnny Gargano or somebody like that in an interview with a, somebody at Access or something like that and they say, I want to stay here because I'm enjoying myself. I get to be myself and I get to be the wrestler that I want to be. So why would you? I call it a demotion of the main roster now. So Yeah, and it shouldn't be thought that way, but unfortunately it is. I mean, a, a, a couple of... You know, I've been given it a, a, a bit of thought, uh, thinking time over the last couple of days, and I think a few things that really, really hurt the main pro- uh, main roster product is you touched on it as well, David. The fifty-fifty booking. You know, yeah. I'll get my win this week. You'll get your win back next week, and that you know, I think you you touched upon you know the, the Vince McMahon mindset, and you know, I, it could possibly be done to try to keep everybody strong. But by giving them their win back uh, from the previous week, it almost has the opposite effect, and it makes them both look weak. You don't build anybody, um, and you know. But, I, I kind of mentioned to you in a message yesterday that I was kind of reminiscing about when I, you know, was growing up in the in the in the nineties and uh, falling in love with wrestling. And I used to love watching the squash matches. I used to love watching the big guys, the big monsters, be allowed to go out there and dominate. You know, like the Yokozunas of this world. I used to love watching him in, in squash matches. And when yeah. Ra- Razor Ramon, uh, you know, came along, he spent the first, you know, few weeks, a few months even in squash matches, and you would see him do all these you know the razor's edge and all of his fabulous moves and maybe by adding some more squash matches in there it would it would kind of eliminate the 50 50 booking because you would allow superstars to be able to get their wins by showing their moves and to be dominant and to make a name for themselves and it won't necessarily um harm or hinder another top name uh, talent um so you know you can let the monsters be the monsters against a, a local um, enhancement talent and you can let the technical wrestlers show off all their moves against uh, some local wrestler um the most recent examples of where this is worked and i'm sure you'll agree with me but he wasn't kind of the most uh, uh, fantastic wrestler but when Ryback came on the scene and he was having these squash matches not just against one person but maybe two or three wrestlers and that was fantastic television and then more recently when uh, Braun Strowman uh, kind of made it up onto the main roster and broke out of the Wyatt family 
started making a bit of a name for himself in 2016. His squash matches were, you know, even today they're remembered fondly. It worked. So that could kind of eliminate the the 50-50 booking where they're not necessarily having to pair up one big wrestler against another one and have a big wrestler lose unnecessarily. But you also touched on it. It's, it's, It's kind of developing the character and it's almost as if they're kind of afraid to continue what made the wrestler cool from the indies or what made the wrestler cool from the nxt and it almost kind of gets sanitized when they come upon to the main roster i mean to be perfectly honest with you seth rollins love him to bits but what is a seth rollins who is seth rollins you know burn it down the king slayer the beast slayer that's not a gimmick. That doesn't mean anything to me. The same for Finn Balor. Who is or who is or what is Finn Balor? You know, they they, they don't look any different from you know just the, the normal Joe on the street. But if you're in the WWE, you need to have kind of some sort of presence, some sort of character. And unless Finn Demon uh, Finn Balor is coming out as the demon, <laughs> he hasn't got this natural presence. Um, so that you know that, that's something where you would always have kind of that personality and that kind of character in the 80s or the 90s and of course it got a bit ridiculous in the mid 90s with uh, T.L. Hopper and you know the <laughs> you know all these weird and wonderful you had the garbage man yeah. didn't you and uh, <laughs> and uh, Duke Drozzi and, and all that but they need to have a bit of a personality because that's what draws people in um, so uh, I mean what's your thoughts on what I've said there in terms of you know getting rid of the 50-50 booking and kind of adding adding more squash matches which won't kind of harm some of the other bigger wrestlers and kind of developing these characters. I remember, you know, when I was growing up, the heel manager, you know, Mr. Fuji, Bobby Heenan, uh, you know, all these wonderful, glorious, uh, outlandish, colourful managers. They they would tend to manage the heel factions. And you don't see that so much nowadays. And you've got a lot of heel wrestlers that haven't got that personality or haven't got that voice introduce more managers it works you know for those two decades why wouldn't it work now and once again it's helping to develop those characters to keep people engaged um, and looking forward to next week's tv show so maybe they need to kind of borrow and steal from what worked 20 30 40 years ago i don't know what are your thoughts david 100 percent agree um you know i was just talking about it this last weekend again and i'd, I'd last minute booked a, a meet and greet with sid now a lot of people will think sid and they'll think the the half a brain that you do promo <laughs> and you know there's the leg break and the, all, all the silly stuff he did and stuff like that but the more you actually stop and think about sid yeah. the more historic little moments that he was involved in the talk the turn of Shawn michaels the day after wrestlemania 11 where sean says i'll give you the night off and sid's like huh, what sorry and then just ends up you know dropping him with three power bombs immediately turning sean's face when he comes back you yeah. know you, you've got the horseman and you know the millennium man which was a bit of a ripoff of jericho but the, the when i first switched on dubs I, I used to watch wcw about 91 92 it used to be on on night time up in Newcastle, uh, um, it used to follow a program called the Silk Road, and there would be, um, and that was about uh, different countries and whatnot. But um, and then WCW would come on. Uh, f- I think it was WCW Worldwide or something like that. Yeah. And um, and I remember this great big fella, you know, looked like something out of a, um, a Marvel movie or mm. something like that. Absolutely destroying these jobbers or enhancement guys, call them what you will. And you know, they were all half his size, which made him look all the more impressive. And it just looked like a you know, a trucker or, or some fella from, you know, I, I don't yeah. know, that, that sells the cigarettes. 
cigarettes at the garage or whatever, had just wandered in and just got destroyed. And I mean, he was he was power bombing these guys with such force, like jacking them up to his shoulder and dropping them. And Sid could really deliver a power bomb in those days, and and then put them on the stretcher and throw them up. And at the time, I'd never seen that. I'm sure it had been done a million times in Memphis and you know all of these small companies. But what you said about you know enhancement guys and whatnot, it doesn't just help the the wrestler. It, it helps the enhancement guy because obviously he's going to be from a regional company and he's like, oh, I was on WWE TV, so that helps him sell tickets and helps the company sell tickets. And, you know, um, God forbid that he gets a win. I mean, we all remember the one, two, three kid. Absolutely. And, what he did. and, yeah. and, and, as, and as silly as all those gimmicks that you talked about, Duke DeRose and, you know, the um, T.L. Hopper and the Goon and all of those, we still remember them. Absolutely. Because they, were, they, they were characters. They, they were memorable. Characters. Yeah. They had characters. Even the terrible ones we remember, Giant Gonzalez, and there's a reason for that because they were built like stars. They were on a, a, a television program that, you know, you wanted to watch and you were excited for the, the big stars, but, you know, you didn't mind these characters and you, weirdly, you didn't fast forward them or anything like that then as well. You kind of watched, you know, like... You uh, mystified, know yeah. Yeah, it was like the kind of car crash TV that you couldn't turn away from, yeah. but I, I 100% agree and I 100% agree. I did, I know you did mention to me that we, you know, think about the old days and, you know, what could work now, uh, what, you know, what's old is new again, yeah. but I also thought that this the manager thing I love managers 100% you know Bobby Heenan Jimmy Hart who again who I met this weekend it was lovely um, you know but I think also it's 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 a kind of a cleft stick for the wrestler in question because when uh, I t- again put it back to the job analogy how do you ever get better at your job if you're never allowed to do it you know it's like if somebody's put the label on a Bobby Lashley that he's not a good talker. Now, I've heard that he actually had better promos than TNA. I don't know. I don't watch it. Right. Maybe he did that, and maybe he was a better character and a better personality and all around. But in WWE, he's kind of got this label of big guy, kind of looks like Lesnar, kind of wrestles like Lesnar, got that MMA background the whole nine yards, but he's not really a talker. But how is he ever going to get better at doing that? if he's not allowed to talk, if he's got that label. You know, the only way you improve at something like this is to go and, you know, look at the mirror or go in the green screen room or, you know, get that chance to sink or swim. So, I don't know. I love managers. I 100% agree with yeah. somebody who might be struggling or needs that little extra spark or anything else. Uh, and I would love to see them return and, you know, get really these established ones where they were stars in themselves. You know, Bobby Heenan, everybody loved Bobby. I don't know. You know, I've never heard a bad word about him. Even, the lesser manager even you know Sonny you know Sonny was, mm. was more more you know you you looked at her for looks and everything else but she was a good character you know you, you remember that you, she, the, how, how she used people to, to gold dig herself to get these belts and the fame and everything else how she swapped from the smoking guns to the Godwins to you know and this one and that one and I remember that and that was 1996 yeah. you know so she wasn't even a, a, what you'd call a, a top manager sensational Sherry absolutely fantastic mm. You know, whether it was, you know, and, and I remember Shawn Michaels saying nobody would ever, you know, think of doing anything to me in the ring, like taking advantage of us even when I was new to being a heel or anything because they feared Sherry. Like, Sherry would absolutely knock the living daylights out of them if, any, if you know, from the outside and she'd, she'd deal with them and soon adjust their attitude better than John Cena. Mm. You know, but um, again, a character that could relay from wrestling to, to manager to, you know, whatever, but... but I totally agree with the manager side, but I also think people need the chance to develop and the chance to grow. Yeah, yeah, and and kind of just you know one final point on that is 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 
the scripting as well and you know once again the oh, scripting God. is so sanitized and it, you know if you've got maybe half a dozen people writing the scripts for for for, for monday night raw you know they're all going to sound virtually identical aren't they yep. and the scripts do sound virtually identical and it doesn't allow for any character development or any individuality in, in what they're trying to say and you know you go back to the attitude era nobody would ever think of scripting steve austin you know and nobody would ever think of scripting the rock i'm sure because and you wouldn't have had all these wonderful memories and wonderful uh catchphrases that that are even you know you go to any wrestling event and you know you hear them even today I, if I go to a wrestling event in 20 years time am I going to hear burn it down or am I going to hear you know anything from today's era probably not I mean I do often wonder I mean when I was watching WWE live and I, I remember very fondly I saw the WWE when they when they toured in 1995 and uh, I was lucky enough to go to um, the Royal Albert Hall now it was the, the last WWE show they had uh, before the NXT shows uh, last June at the Royal Albert Hall so you're talking you know a good 22 23 years difference but I was there at that event and I was looking at the wrestlers and you know you had your Triple H's and your Diesel's and your Undertaker's and your, your, your Razor Ramones and your Yokozuna's all of them are hall of famers today all of them are hall of famers today you look at you know the the roster at the moment and you know you know that they're all going to end up in the hall of fame but nobody is kind of that obvious character you think yeah they they could be a hall of famer and, and like i say going back to the whole character thing you know what am i going to remember about you know some of these individuals that just aren't really jumping off the screen uh to me and uh you know you want that you want that the Bray Wyatt there I say that's going yep. to kind of hook you and bring you back into next week and it, it's such a shame that they they kind of you know that they did so much wrong with a character that had so much potential the first time round, and hopefully they uh kind of d- do a bit more with this one and uh you know it does have so much potential but um um yeah I mean <laughs> We've spoken about it long enough, David, but uh, I, I just hope that with the introduction of AEW, which is a legitimate um, threat to WWE and uh, and uh, kind of uh, another product, a bit of product for wrestling fans to watch and something to get excited about, and it will kind of possibly fill the gap for the disenfranchised uh, wrestling fan that's um, you know not happy with the WWE product uh, and wants that alternative. And then you've got the Fox deal happening later on this year from about uh, October, I believe. And of course, you know they're, they're a, a big, important TV company that are going to be expecting results and are going to be expecting you know viewers to come back time after time after time. And I don't think they'll put up with the slump um that uh, that you know the tv companies have put up with over the last few years and yes you could kind of add into that viewing habits have changed and everybody's catching kind of snippets on the internet and the wwe seem to be kind of shouting about how many millions of views this clips had or how many millions of views that clip had clips had but really you you know if you've got a three-hour tv product you want people to to be watching all three hours but uh, um any final thoughts on this before we move on david um, well, uh, the solution, as we all know, to um, every every successful wrestling character, whether it was Stone Cold or The Rock, have always said, "This character is me with the volume turned up." You know, and and the reason that works is probably because they were in an era where, yes, we all know that like Vince Russo helped The Rock with his 
scripts and stuff like that, but he went, he has bullet point A and bullet point B that you need to get across. Now go out there and do your own thing. You know, Austin wasn't a fantastic standout talker when he was in WCW, but then Paul Heyman put a mic, uh, put a camera in front of him and a microphone and said, you know, just say what's on your mind, you know, say what you're annoyed about. And, and that's where we saw the nucleus of the birth of, you know, Stone, Stone Cold. So the, the, solution to the ratings problem as well as is to make the must-see characters you know we had it in Bray Wyatt you know we had a character that had come along for the first time in ages and personally I'll, I'll still say that he should have been the person and the streak if they'd done it right you know mm-hmm. if they'd built it right they started to build it right up until probably 2014 or so on and then it just went to the dogs but you know the problem that they did with that is they overused the character he had long-winded you know rambling promos <laughs> much like myself when I'm talking to you on the phone um, but um the reason why it worked because you should have done little and often, but the fact that when people were having to sit there and watch 15-minute promos every week of them doing the same thing, it doesn't matter how good something is if you watch it all the time. The reason why Game of Thrones and all these other shows succeed is because they have engaging characters mm, that you true. connect with, you know, and you you want to see them succeed or, or die or whatever, so you tune in because you want to see that person get the just desserts or succeed. There we go. Well, I think we vented for long enough and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got it off our chest. We've had our ther- therapy for the week, Step David. Down the <laughs> but uh, that was an interesting chat. And uh, like you say, you know, it's not rocket science and they've done it so many times before. But um, yeah, maybe they're just, you know, trying to uh, appease the, the shareholders and the stockholders. I don't know. But yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I don't think they can afford for ratings to drop much lower so hopefully we'll see some uh, some uh, changes fairly soon but let's move on to um, something that we all love and they're all very positive on um, at least most weeks and that's uh, NXT so let's talk about this week's episode of NXT which um, uh, took place uh, last night um, I think a lot of us saw it uh, this morning or today uh, but the first match on this week's NXT was uh, only Lorkin and Danny Birch and Humberto Kurala versus the Forgotten Sons so just a few highlights from this match uh, Lorkin, when he got tagged in, was a was a ball of fury for the first few minutes of this match. Uh, then Jackson Riker was was dominant, as you would expect uh, when he was in there with Humberto Carrillo. Uh, there was one spot where uh, Cutler hip-tossed his partner Wesley Blake into Humberto Carrillo who was draped over the middle rope and that looked like that definitely hurt Humberto on that move uh, Danny Birch applies a cross-face submission on Cutler only to be broken up by Jackson Riker uh, Carrillo nails his own partner Lorkin uh, with a dive accidentally nailing only, uh, only Lorkin through the ropes uh, leaving Danny Birch in the ring all by himself with all three members of the Forgotten Sons leading to a bit of a beatdown of Birch who did try to fight back because he's a you know double hard uh, what's it uh um, Danny Birch and Carrillo then get buckle bombed or power bombed into the raised knees of Cutler in the corner before Riker, Cutler, and Blake execute a pair of. Uh, so, I mean, how would you describe how they finish this match? It was kind of like a, a, a flight. Yeah. yeah, it was, wasn't it? And uh, Jackson Riker um, had um, two of the opponents in like a, a double inverted DDT. Uh, so it was kind of a, a three way move there. 
claiming the pinfall victory uh, in quite dominant fashion. So they they seem to be investing a lot of time and energy in the Forgotten Sons. I think they're slowly growing on people. I think Jackson Riker is obviously the one to watch out for and the one they're ultimately looking to push. I think he's uh, going to be um, kind of up in the uh, the upper echelons of uh, NXT before too long. Uh, what was your kind of thought on this match before we move on to the next segment, David? The opening match of uh, this week's NXT. Well, my initial thought was summed up in one word. I felt rushed. Mm. Um, uh, I felt like, uh, I mean, obviously the week before that you'd had um, Arnie Loker and, and um, um, Danny Burch save Humberto from the Forgotten Sons and particularly Riker, who would look like he was ready to destroy him. But I felt like there could have been a couple of weeks build with promos or sneak attacks or call it what you will. It felt like raw booking where yeah. they're, they're just immediately hot shot it and next week here they are. Uh, I think another problem with the um the team of Birch and Logan is they seem like a unfinished product. As good as they are in the ring and we've seen them have a fantastic match with Undisputed Era, but um I, I feel like they need a name and, you know, some kind of gimmick, whether it's based around, you know, how grizzled and tough they are, yeah. you know, grizzled young veterans. But um yeah, they need that little extra something that they connect with the fans. The fans are doing the hand gestures and the sing along with this you know, the tune and whatnot and yeah and, and you know, Logan uh, that part, it, it, it was meant to be rushed. I mean, you know, when he was when he was like the house of fire in the yeah. ring and hitting the uppercuts and the dives and everything else, that looked good. But I just felt like everybody was rushing through everything and to slow down a little bit made made things mean a little more. And and I know we need to also establish the fact that the Forgotten Sons are all got this sort of military gimmick. But it seems like every other thing that they do, that like the they're trying to get across military this and we get it. You know, the, yeah. the ex-military guys and the feeling like they've been left behind and not appreciated. And and all that we get it and when Riker I mean yeah he's got the look and he's got the build that Vince loves it and I love the psychotic you know distance there whereas the other two will be talking and he's just staring right ahead and unblinking and everything That that's all cool but I, I don't know if he's like a, a top guy product he, he seems to me like the guy that you'd feed the top guy you know but me, I don't know I, I'm sure Vince will love him but, but being the fact that he's big and got tattoos and muscles and all the rest of it if he hits the main roster until he you know forgets three weeks later and moves on to the next <laughs> very big dude but uh, the Forgotten obviously we're in a be- rebuilding stage with the NXT tag yeah. team division again um, character work needs to go in I think um, you know tag team names particularly for Logan and Birch need to happen so, so we're, we're in that phase right now so it, it was a good match for what it was but not particularly memorable I feel like it, it would have resonated a bit more if we'd had a bit more sort of to fill it in in between instead of just rushing into it the next week it felt very much like the type of thing Raw would do mm, Good point good point then we see a, a, a confrontation between Bianca Belair and Mia Yim uh, with Robbie Brookside doing his best uh, to keep the, the pair at bay uh, that's a match that we will see on next week's episode so that should be a really good match between uh, yeah, Bianca Belair and Mia Yim next week definitely our next match is Dominic Dijakovic versus Mansur. Uh, so uh, if this match didn't go too long. Dijakovic showed his dominance uh, in this match by throwing Mansur clean over the top ropes pretty much to start the match uh, with a pretty hard landing there for Mansur. Uh, Mansur still managed to kick out of a suplex which sent him halfway cr- across the ring. So showing a little bit of toughness there in the newcomer. Uh, Mansur made uh, a brief comeback until he was caught with a stiff kick in midair uh, 
um, before being pinned by Dijakovic off of the back of his Feast Your Eyes finisher, which is like a a GTS, uh, modified GTS. But uh, then we get an impromptu appearance from the Velveteen Dream, uh, who is uh, wheeled out on his his couch, on his uh, sofa, chalange, whatever you want to call it, by two (laughs) lovely ladies, uh, saying that uh, he has some words for Dominic Dijakovic, uh, where he sings uh, quite an amusing version of uh, a Velveteen Dream spin on the United States National Anthem. So that was quite good. Uh, not quite sure where that's leading to. Then we see a graphic showing a, a match on next week's NXT between Matt Riddle and Adam Cole. So this comes hot off the heels of last week's main event which of course was between Johnny Gargano, the current NXT champion, and Roderick Strong, uh, with uh, um, cracks starting to show uh, in the armour of uh, the Undisputed Era, and certainly there's tension there between uh, Cole and Strong in particular, although in a backstage segment with all of the members of Undisputed Era, everything they all appear to be on the same page until Adam Cole mentioned how Roderick Strong dropped the ball in his match against Gargano last week. Uh, Strong... Um, took uh, umbrage to this and stormed off uh, and there definitely appears to be some frustration amongst the four members of the Undisputed Era. So looking at kind of the last few weeks of NXT uh, TV and you've seen some cracks appearing in the armour of the Undisputed Era there, David, uh, where do you think this is leading? And, and, you know, uh, do you think it's a shame that we could potentially be seeing a split somewhere down the line between these four? Mm, I, I mean, there's, there's two camps in my thinking right now. One, it's a very well-worked ploy by the Undisputed Era to make Johnny Gargano think that they're all breaking up and infighting. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, it's quite a little vague um, reference here. There was a time when Jericho was feuding with Triple H and they had a segment on Raw where it appeared that Road Dogg and X-Pac and all of them were arguing amongst themselves. And Jericho got in the ring and he was ready for this fight with Triple H and then it turned out it was a total ruse and they all beat him down and you know and it was all in cahoots all along so I, I could imagine that going that way with the way NXT you know plays the long game and, and, and books things that way I'd love to see that equally I could also see you know them all on the side of Adam Cole to start with and Roderick Strong seems like he's the one that's on the outs mm-hmm. and then maybe if, if Adam Cole managed to capture the NXT title I could imagine the Undisputed Era turning on him you well, know, so yes, I mean, it's, it's got us talking. It's an interesting story. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, it's a shame to split them up. Um, I'm sure within the next however many months they're going to be called up to the main roster. But a lot of people are saying that they're stronger as a unit um, instead of as, as separate entities. But um we shall see. We shall see. So that and that's one thing that's going to get us tuning in for next week, isn't it, David? Yeah, can I just say as well, I want to jump back to the Dijakovic and uh, however you say it, I really struggle with his name right now. Yeah, go but, ahead, um, Mansoor. And, and Mansoor, yeah. um, uh, Mansoor made out a fan out of me this week uh, in both NXT UK and NXT. And it, it, uh, when we were just talking about, you know, how the enhancement matches and whatnot. Mm. Now, you know, he even though he lost that match, he impressed me that much, you know, um, with his moves and even with his mannerisms when he would hit somebody and there would um, there was a spot when he was wrestling Tyler B, which I'm sure was Tyler B or no, sorry, Travis Banks, and um, he hit him with a chop and then it did absolutely nothing. The um, Travis Banks and the the surprise on Mansoor's face is it's that character, you know, it's, it's like it's how it should be. And the, even though he lost the match in his performance in that match 
actually sold them to me. I hadn't seen him before. I didn't know that much. I knew he was signed. I hadn't seen him on TV, but that made me go and look and find out more about him and stuff like that. So that's exactly what you want. You know, you win even when you lose. You know, you've got a character there that you can invest in. He kind of looks like the you know the love child of Mustafa Ali or <laughs> Ali or whatever, and uh, and Matt Riddle. You know, with that hat coming out, but. Uh, you know, he really impressed me in both of the matches that he was in. And Dijakovic, I think he should be in the position that Lars Sullivan's occupying right now of the destroyer. On you know, he's a far better wrestler. He's a far better, just you know that it factor about him almost. Uh, maybe he's not quite there as the finished product. You know, that little something to push him over the top, maybe change the finisher or something like that. But there's going to be that one defining moment that Eva makes or breaks him. I've seen him live one time on a Rev Pro show against Josh Bodum and he was an absolute animal. You know, he's like throwing him all over the place and he's, he's a big imposing dude. I don't think he's about six, seven, six, eight mm. legitimately. You know, and there's no need to, to hype that size or, yeah. you know, over exaggerate. He looks the part. He looks that old old school killer heel in the vein of a Sid Vicious. Absolutely, so, yeah. and, and and he's got a bit of a high-flying aspect to him as well. We've seen him do some yep. uh, some pretty wicked stuff that you wouldn't normally see see a, a six-foot-seven guy doing the ring, but uh, I agree with what you're saying regarding Mansoor. We've got another match to kind of uh, mention Mansoor in a bit later. You, you mentioned this match on NXT UK with Travis Banks, but uh, I was impressed with that individual this week as well. But uh, we move on to our main event of this week's NXT, which was the, the, the debut of uh, Kushida, the much-hyped Kushida and uh, versus uh, Cassius Ono um, who we've seen more recently on NXT UK showing us uh, British wrestlers and wrestling fans uh, what you know how British wrestling should be performed <laughs> but uh, uh, one hell of an entrance here uh, and one hell of a pop for uh, Kushida from the fans in attendance so um, uh, I think he's had this gimmick for a long time now but it's like a bit of a uh, back to the future Marty McFly sort of gimmick and, and get up and gear and he came up out of the stage with lots of uh, smoke and um, uh, fantastic uh, graphics on the on the big screen. So um, I think they've got uh, big things in store for Kashida. But uh, speaking of big things, his opponent, Cassius Ono, was almost twice the size of Kashida. So this was a mix of kind of sizes and, uh, and body styles to a certain degree. Uh, Mauro Ronaldo mentioned on commentary that Kashida is a former six-time IWGP junior heavyweight champion. And I think he is uh, the most recent uh, Super J Cup winner, if I'm not mistaken, David. Do you know that? Um, um, yeah, um, I don't know if Super J Cup, um, but it's, I think they might, they might have done that wrong in the graphic, but he's, he certainly won the last tournament that they have. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah um, I, I thought it was a really good match. Um, uh, you know, it's, a lot of people were saying, you know, he was he was a little slower than... And, you know, you're going to get that methodical style. I think the, the knock, when you obviously see it, oh no, matches that nine times out of ten, he's going to lose. But there was moments in that match where, you, you know, you thought that um, possibly he might get the upset even um, as you spoke to the um, the entrance and whatnot. I did like the graphics and not so much the music, but then, you know, NXT, again, it's a work in progress. Yeah. And I'm sure in a few weeks' time or a few months' time, you'll have one that we're all, you know, bobbing our heads to and, you know, dancing around to. It's not, not that instant sort of wow no. like you had with Shinsuke's theme when, when that came out, but... I think that will help if he can get like a bit, a bit nicer theme. But he seems he seems very enthusiastic. He seems to fit the the NXT mold. Um, you know, uh, Hideo. There was that sort of disconnect there between his style and that. But I, I I find that like 
Kushida like fits that mold quite well. I could well see him, you know, going up against uh, everybody from undisputed era to God knows who. But I'm looking forward to whoever he faces. Definitely, I, I couldn't agree any more. I mean, the, the match started off quite slow. There was, there was plenty of uh, headlocks and groundwork between the two. Uh, ono nails Kushida with a, a couple of stiff boots to the face and a, a chop to the chest of the newcomer with one kick, catching Kushida flush on the nose, appearing to kind of um, a little trickle of blood there. Kushida makes a comeback with an enziguri, uh, but it's soon brought back down to worth with a, with a bang, dropping uh, a face first off the shoulders of Ono, which appeared to bust open his nose even more. Uh, Kushida gets a two count from a springboard Hurricane Rana. Um, ono manages to hit Kushida with a rolling elbow off the back of uh, a handspring elbow attempt. Kushida does manage to get the hard-fought win after applying a, a Kimura-style double wrist lock submission hold. And, uh, yep, so he wins in his debut. Quite a fun match. It's quite a hard-hitting match. I think both men look like they've been uh, through the ringer on this one here. Definitely, uh, you know, been to war after this one. And uh, yeah, like you said, a good fun match between two excellent wrestlers, a good mix of styles, um, a good main event. And um, yeah, to be honest with you, this is one of the first times I've seen Kushida and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, there was no kind of flash or anything like that. I think, you know... Um, he kept he was kept grounded more than anything from a lot of uh, Cassius Ono's offense, but uh, yeah, a thoroughly enjoyable match and a, a good introduction to the full sale crowd. And like I say, he's got that he's got that something about him that that gimmick, that edge, that character. Um, and I think yeah, he's yeah got more to offer than what Hideo Itami did. Um, not quite as charismatic as as Nakamura, but uh, I mean, one thing I did have in my write-up here, and whether it's right or wrong to say, but, you know, the history of WWE being able to correctly promote and push, um, you know, the, the Japanese wrestlers in the past, and they have successfully done it when you look at the likes of, you know, Kairi Sane, and to a lesser degree, well, it's 50-50 with, with Asuka, because yes, she was a, a monster in NXT, and kind of, um, you know, not so much of a, a a monster up on the main roster but they do seem to be getting it more right than wrong uh, in my eyes but um, Kushida for the long term um, he's a much smaller guy of course uh, where do you see where do you see a ceiling in NXT to start off with I could certainly see him um, contending if not winning the North American Championship mm. obviously we all fear for him once he hits that main roster if and when that does happen and he doesn't lose I mean right now he's in, in the honeymoon period of yeah. he's in a new country and in a, a new set of opponents and you know it's all exciting but then they start to give you like stupid things that don't suit the character you know it's just like when they threw the, Go the Goldberg wig you know the Goldust wig on Goldberg and yeah. you know you just something that you just don't do to that character that takes away from everything that they are and you know when he gets to um, Raw or Smackdown if that happens then you, you've got immediately Vince's pet hates small foreign and you know cruiserweight style you know so uh, he, he, he doesn't like that but sometimes that can be overcome if that person can grow as a character you know the Daniel Bryans and the Kofi Kingston's Absolutely. and the, all, the, all the smaller framed um, characters so I do think that you know he's in the right place right now because when it comes to developing a character and developing something that will resonate with the fans, he's, he's got the tools and he's he's more grounded for um, for that type of junior heavyweight wrestler. He tends to wrestle a more technical style, usually working on the arm for the hoverboard stretch, which is finish. And um, you know, but I, I do, I just there's something about him, and so there was a little. Um, if anybody wants to search it on YouTube, there was a sort of behind the scenes of Kushida's first match, uh, and I think it's on Ask the PC or whatever, yeah. or the PC Diaries or whatever. 
but um, it was only a few minutes long. But th- there's something about him being there that says he wants to be here. He's got something to prove, and he's got something to show people that they haven't quite seen yet. And he's might be holding something back, or sort of, you know, we might go in a different direction with the character. And that I do like the the time splitter as he used to be in New Japan when he was with Alex Shelley and that. You know, so that that's a cool gimmick. It resonates with fans, young and old. The kind of cool glasses and the the Back to the Future style gimmick. So and you can imagine making the most out of that on a, a takeover or even a main roster event where he has an actual hoverboard or and all the smoke and everything. You could imagine that on some big event. But oh, yes. let's, let's 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 see where he goes from here. Let let let's see him run through that NXT roster and let's all sit back and enjoy it. Yes, exciting times, and uh, I for one can't wait to see more of him. Uh, on to this week's NXT UK, and the first match uh, involved that man again, Mansoor. Uh, so I think we'll be pronouncing his name very well uh, if the, the more we see of this gentleman. But um, his uh, opponent this time around was uh, the Kiwi Buzzsaw, Travis Banks. Now, um, I think this is the last episode of NXT UK that was filmed in front of the Access audience over Thank WrestleMania God. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you, they, they were up for the main event, and we'll talk more about the main event in a bit. But this match here, Travis Banks versus Mansoor. Uh, so, uh, Banks doesn't take uh, too kindly to being slapped across the face from Mansoor in the early going. Plenty of stiff, kick, stiff kicks from the Kiwi Buzzsaw until Mansoor bundles Travis Banks over the top rope and to the floor on the outside. Uh, Banks recovers to nail a uh, running kick to the face of his opponent from the ring apron before hitting a stunning dive through the ropes, connecting perfectly onto his opponent on the outside. Uh, Mansoor executes a move similar to uh, the crossroads uh, on Banks for a two that. count. Yep, really good move there. Uh, Banks recovers, uh, finishing the match with his slice of heaven uh, and then the, the Kiwi Crusher for the three count. Um, and that was a, a nice opener. And uh, the second match that we've seen of Mansoor. See, uh, I, I knew we were going to talk about him. And uh, yeah, like I say, uh, somebody to watch out for. And in fact, the first time I think we saw Mansoor was at the uh, uh, the, the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and, right. uh, um, but uh, he's obviously been in development and uh, he's, he's progressed quite well. So I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of him uh then we see kind of an interesting uh backstage promo video uh package from zaya brookside um obviously filmed at the uk pc uh saying that she's uh going to train every day and to be the best uh, that she can possibly be and she wants us to all fly with brookside uh so well, obviously you know uh giving us a little bit of character development there with zaya brookside brookside and i know that you're a fan of of zaya brookside and she, of course, uh, featured in the uh, the top ten of the uh, uh, YouTube show that I did, the Wrestling Experience episode two um, over the weekend. But um, what did you think of this promo? A little bit, a little mm. bit different, a little bit, uh, a little bit wacky. It almost seemed, uh, you know, a, a little bit, um, a little bit giggly, a little bit uh, unplanned. But uh, it, it showed that kind of that side of Zaya that they want to get across, I suppose, that fun, loving um, Zaya. Yeah, it's, it's character development, and yeah. you know you need you need the like you said, it's not just a t-shirt like a burn it down or a whatever. You need um, to what is this person about that isn't mm. just that they're a wrestler that does this move and that's the finisher. But uh, I, I felt like uh, almost just thinking about it now, it's almost like they were trying to make her into like a candy floss type of character or something right. like that, someone light-hearted, quirky, just fun-loving. Oh, you know. But then you, you also. Uh, you 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 tread that line with a character like that because there's being fun loving and cute and all the rest of it, but then they're getting into a ring where they need to try and you know beat the hell out of their opponent and overcome them or at least out wrestle them. I am a fan of Zaya Brookside. I'd say 
what I'd say is a, a few years ago she was very much a work in progress and I've seen her come along leaps and bounds in the last obviously to get signed with NXT is a huge achievement yeah. um, a little bit later than she um, planned <laughs> based on the, what she said on an independent show but that's by the by she's there and, and more power to her mm. and you know super well done for that especially at such a, a young age because I mean what she 19 or something now yeah. and uh, can, you, can you imagine her at 29 and, and mm. you know going, going to Japan and going to um, you know, stardom and all that that is just going to bring you on leaps and bounds. Anybody that goes there comes back better automatically, you know, from wrestling that more physical style and learning the, the mechanics of a different style. But I think where she works, don't don't worry about the, you know, second gen. Don't keep, like, you know, focusing on that name. Let her go on her own merits and, and maybe upset, uh, you know, a Rhea Ripley or a, a larger character. She she can be the one, two, three kid of, uh, yeah. of NXT going back to that character. You know, the, get, we need, obviously, you've got a lot of girls in uh, on the NXT UK roster that are smaller in the in the style of like Isla Dawn and uh, you know Zia Brookside herself and Candy Floss and the likes of them so we need to see that these characters despite the you know the more diminutive stature or the, the slim or size or the young years that they're still capable of, of bringing it and you know like and they're not they're not going to back down and just be these frivolous characters there's, there's meet to go there with the you know the the character itself so yeah that's what i think of it anyway <laughs> definitely no I, I i think that and it's good to see there that they're allowing her to do uh little uh pieces to camera like this because obviously they're showing a bit of character development but it shows that they are you know investing in her as a character definitely. um so we'll see more of her on the tv which is not a bad thing in my books uh speaking to somebody that i want to see more on my tv and they showed a, a video package quite an awesome video package of Ilya Ilya dragonov who will be be uh, debuting very soon. I think he was uh, part of the Glasgow TV tapings from a couple of weekends ago, so he'll be appearing on a future episode of NXT UK. I don't think they specifically said whether it would be next week or not, but I know that it's very, very soon. So uh, one character that I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. Have you seen much of Ilya Dragunov uh, on indie shows that you've been to, David? I've seen him a few times. I've obviously um, seen him in progress, and you know, he wrestles that very physical WXW style, uh, Umbaziba, which means uh, literally translates to invincible. And uh, he throws himself into the ring. There's even a, a move that he does in his moveset where it looks like he's throwing a forearm, but he's actually throwing his head. So and it doesn't even like put his arms out or anything like that. He, he fully commits to it, and it, it looks nasty for him and his opponent. He's mm. a very physical, almost uh, brawling style wrestler, you know, with the lariats and. He can take a beating and give one out. I mean, anybody that can stand toe to toe with Walter, you know, you know that he might be more diminutive, but he's a firecracker, you know, and he's somebody that's going to be really somebody to contend with on any brand. So. Definitely, definitely, and uh, uh, I've seen uh, a few of his matches, uh, not in person, unfortunately, but I definitely remember the match he had with Pete Dunne at last year's uh, Wembley show for Progress, and um, that was hard-hitting, to say the least. So, uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying with the, the hard-hitting style. That would be fantastic. Then we get uh, a vignette from Nina Samuels. Uh, Nina, of course, was ranked uh, number nine in uh, episode two of The Wrestling Experience, my uh, YouTube-exclusive show. Go watch it now, people! Yes, go watch it now, <laughs> subscribe. Uh, but she 
featured in the top 10 of NXT superstars, NXT UK superstars in the women's division. Uh, she says that uh, she is amassing victories in NXT UK and she wants to play the role of champion, uh, a role that is occupied at the moment by one Tony Storm. Uh, Nina tells Tony to take her seat as the Nina, Nina Samuels show is about to begin. And uh, what's your thoughts on Nina Samuels? I, I think that she seems to have come a long way. She's been featured a bit more. Um, she's got a great look. Um, I think her wrestling style is developing. And uh, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that they, I, I know that she's got some bigger matches kind of coming up from the Glasgow tapings. Uh, but have you seen a lot of Nina Samuels? And what do you think of this character? I've seen her quite a bit on the indies from Progress to even Wrestle Island. Uh, yeah, surprise mention there, and, and people will know why. Um, but yeah, she she's oh, naturally a, a very um, well-spoken and uh, might, you might want to call posh lady, and that lends to this character. And again, like you spoke to, character development. And it's great to see we've had a sequence of, of ladies being featured prominently, you know, and, you know, whether it's Isaiah Brookside or... And I think this character is, is might help her connect with the fans because obviously she had a little bit of a problem with that the, the start and it's a new character and a new brand and people are learning about who's who and where they fit in and I, I do think this character will uh, work well it, it seems natural to her she's got a kind of performance background and she actually wrestled I think it's for Lucha Britannia is Leah Diabella Rosa I think is the right way to pronounce it where she's a mass character so she's obviously capable and agile and you know athletic so um, she's got all that going for her and this this sort of theatrical style to a character um, it, I think it would fit a leg glove quite literally <laughs> definitely yes uh, the character's got me intrigued anyway uh, then on to our next match uh, Piper Niven versus uh, Rina Gonzalez so Nigel McGuinness reminded us that Piper Niven it was the uh, first ever ICW women's champion and the first ever Scottish woman to headline the Corrigan Hall in Japan uh, Rina Gonzalez stands over six feet tall so uh, quite uh, you know an imposing and, and quite uh, an impressive individual to look at uh, we first saw Rena in last year's Mayan Classic. Uh, Rena or Rena, uh, definitely the aggressor in this match until Piper rolls her opponent to the floor, um, to the outside. So almost like a bit of a schoolboy where she, her opponent kind of fell quite heavily outside the ring. Uh, Piper nails a, a running crossbody followed by a senton for a two count. And despite the punishment that put on Piper's back from the earlier attack from her opponent, uh, Gonzalez. Uh, Piper was still able to hoist her opponent up for the Michinoka driver for the pinfall victory. So a uh, decent match between these two. And um, yeah, a nice appearance from Rina Gonzalez, but another victory for Piper Niven. Definitely um, staking a claim on a possible number one contender spot somewhere down the line. And then we get a, a backstage segment with... Um, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan. So we obviously saw the segment last week where you saw the grizzled young veterans uh, throwing Williams and Jordan's uh, kit, bag and gear out of the locker room, out into the corridor. Well, uh, here, Kenny Williams says that uh, they've uh, had their doubters and their biggest doubters are the NXT UK tag team champions, uh, the grizzled young veterans. Uh, Kenny asks how they can be locker room leaders when they nothing, know nothing about uh, being locker room leaders or they know nothing about the locker room referring to JYV there. Uh, Kenny says that next week uh, they will be in Glasgow and can think of nothing better than taking the NXT UK Tag Team Championships from around their waists. Um, we then get uh, confirmation that uh, it will indeed be Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships from the Glasgow taping. So that, that's one match uh, that you'll definitely be watching there, David. Oh, 
hundred percent. But um, I really hope that they stick with the, the veterans, obviously, because mm. um, they're, they're just coming along so well as a team. That just week to week, they just seem to be becoming more of a cohesive tag team. Not just, not just, to, and no disrespect to Amir Jordan and you know Kenny Williams. Kenny being the more experienced of the two, I think Amir's only been wrestling about four years or so. And it, again, they both got gimmicks that connect in a certain way. Unfortunately for Kenny, his used to be very similar to what Kashida's doing now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Amir Jordan, I've seen a few times on the Indies, talented wrestler, and he's going to only get better, much like Kenny himself. Uh, high flying, entertaining, and they've, and they've got a bit of character there as well, which will connect with kids and fans and what have you. But the, the veterans are a real team as opposed to two singles wrestlers now. You know, they are like, I mean, obviously. You know, Zach could um, split from that team tomorrow and be a fantastic heel. And I'm sure, uh, you know, um, James Drake, he's coming along too, especially in the wrestling department. I've seen him have an absolute blinder with um, Fabian Eichner, which I've spoken about before. Mm. Um, but in, right now, the veterans are where it's at, and I think they need more teams developed to face them and, and, and developed as teams, not just to. I mean, you could see Kenny and Amir like splitting up or turning on each other tomorrow if. if you know the wind was blowing right, but and, and uh, you know they're entertaining it in in the level. I, I don't see them as tag team champions. I hope they don't. I mean they could have a caretaker run, I suppose, and uh, and have the veterans get get them back just to show that they're the final word in the tag team division. But I think we need a, a few more teams to come along and you know make a better mix for everybody involved. Whether it's Amir Jordan and obviously Gallus is is in there in the mix, and you know maybe they'll have a reign if if Kenny and Amir get on top but right now I'm, I'm really enjoying the grizzled young veterans and I'm a little bit biased obviously but uh, um, you know they're where it's at in the NXT tag team division and I think uh, you know that's where they should stay right now definitely definitely uh, one tag team that I know you're a big fan of and that I'd love to see uh, take the crown one day um, it would be another heel, heel team and you know who I'm going to say now that I've mentioned that and that's uh, Eichner and Bartel and I think that uh, oh. they'd, they'd make a, a fab- <laughs> fabulous uh, tag team champion somewhere down the line and uh, I think we'll be talking a lot more more about uh, those two and a couple of other individuals in the coming weeks um, as we review NXT UK more in the future. Uh, but we're on to our main event now, and uh, we've got Jordan Devlin versus uh, the WWUK champion Walter, and this is in a, a non-title match. Um, so uh, just to go through some of the, the, the key spots in this match, and then we'll talk more about it. Uh, Devlin and Walter uh, does have a they do have a, a long standing rivalry on the indies um, in particular I think they've had some cracking matches uh, on uh, OTT over in Ireland uh, but this is the first time that these two have uh, met in a WWE ring and of course uh, as I mentioned this is a non-title match uh, Walter drops Devlin with a massive big boot before thumping Devlin, Devlin across the chest with a huge forearm, uh, not the chop that everybody was waiting for, but a forearm there. Uh, Walter then tosses Jordan out of the ring with a double underhook suplex. Uh, Devlin eventually uh, drops the big man to the floor with a like a, a dragon screw and some stiff kicks to the left thigh of, of Walter and to his to his hamstring. Uh, Walter starts to bleed quite heavily from the mouth and appears to be uh, to injure his own right knee off of uh, the back of a, a seated senton that he delivered onto Jordan Devlin there. Uh, then we get an almighty chop, the almighty chop that we've all been waiting for to the chest of Jordan Devlin before Walter sends the Irish ace across the ring uh, with a brutal German suplex. Uh, Devlin nearly pulls off a shock pinfall uh, by going over the top of Walter from a powerbomb attempt into uh, a roll-up and uh, rolls Walter up only for the two count. 
Uh, Walter blocks Devlin, uh, Devlin's, um, well, I think he calls it the Devlin driver to execute one of his own. Uh, Devlin does manage to deliver um, a Devlin driver on the third attempt, managing to get a two count for his troubles. Uh, the match didn't go too much longer after that as Walter smashes Devlin with a brutal clothesline, followed by his, uh, his powerbomb finisher, covering with his full body weight, pinning Devlin for the one, two, three. And that was a brutal and hard hitting match where both men went through a war during this match and uh I'd love to know your thoughts on this this match. Usually I do it the other way around in my reviews. I do NXT UK first and then NXT afterwards. I wanted NXT to kind of main event this episode of Wrestling with Jonas because this match uh, was the highlight of the week for me. Definitely. You know, watched it twice, loved it twice. Um, um, a lot of people had spoke to me about Jordan Devlin and I didn't really see like what the fuss was to begin with but he has made a believer out of me especially in the ring uh, the character may need still some development that's arguable because I don't know if people have seen him on OTT and his character is you know, more connected there as a heel or a face or whatever but in the ring you can't fault the guy you know mechanically he's he's a very good wrestler and only going to get better some soon people will be saying oh yeah that was you know they'll hardly even remember Finn Balor probably in, in a few years you know because he's becoming that good you know mm. he's really good no matter where he went he would be successful um if he gets the character to go along with it again it, it, you know he's going to be off to the races this was a a really physical match and uh you know encourage people to go and watch that and you talk about the chops and then we all know the common with walter it's like you know waiting for somebody to get shot um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um you know the, that clothesline right before the the power bomb that you mentioned yeah. uh, i encourage people to go and watch that back and tell me he didn't make contact with that because as big as Jordan Devlin's head is, he nearly took it off. He hit him literally at the point of his jaw at the corner and that was one of the most wicked lariats I've seen this side of Stan Hansen or you know somebody of that ilk, you mm. know what I mean? It was absolutely brutal. I mean, I don't know if Jordan Devlin owed Walter money or something like that, but <laughs> it, it, looked, it looked like he was out to murder him during that match, you know, with the, the suplexes and everything. I mean, Walter is, Walter is that throwback to the, you know, it's not pretty and and it, and it doesn't have the bodybuilder. I mean, my me, me girlfriend, when we were sitting watching it, said, you know, um, Walter's a little bit flabby and, and, he's, and he's physique. And I, I think he's actually toned down recently. I think you probably noticed that yourself mm-hmm. and even in promo pics and stuff like that. But it, it, it's not a bodybuilder show at the end of the day. We can have these different body types and we can have these different looks and different different people and different characters and whatnot. That That's what makes wrestling, or used to make wrestling great, you know? I mean, I, I, I joked that it looked like somebody shaved the bear with, with <laughs> when Walla gets into the ring. But, you know, that's fantastic. He's different and that's what you need, yeah. you know? Now, we've had Pete Dunne for ages and he's done a fantastic job and we could watch him forever, you know? And, you know, he's really elevated that belt and elevated British wrestling and everything else. And he's, he's a star in his own right. And, you know, more power to him. He's done a fantastic job of bringing British wrestling to the forefront, you know, and, and, and I love him a bit, but, you know, now it's Walter's time and Walter's chance to show what he can do, and he's an absolute monster, and wrestling needs more, wrestling needs people to go, oh, I don't believe that, but watch this, he, he's, he's an absolute killer, this guy, you know? So, he makes he makes it believable, doesn't he? He does yeah, make it yeah. believable. Um, but then after that, uh, you mentioned him earlier, uh, the bruiserweight Pete Dunne comes out, 
after the match to take a, a closer look at the championship that he held for 685 days, as we all know, uh, to tell Walter to give him his rematch. Uh, Walter nods his head um, and it looks like uh, the rematch is set and, and we know that uh, they did have a rematch at the Glasgow tapings and uh, we will uh, no doubt see that in a few weeks' time on NXT UK TV and we will, of course, be covering it right here on the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. But David... That's the end of this episode, and that's the end oh, of our no. chat. I know. Um, you know what they say about all good things and everything, but uh, uh, that is um, it for, for another week. I just yeah, want to th- do, thank do. you, David, uh, for, for coming on the podcast. You've been absolutely yeah. fantastic, as always. We don't want to become like Raw and like, you know, give people too much. I think, I think we went like an hour and a half, you know. Sorry, yeah. sorry folks. You know, we, we, we promised not to go three hours no matter what Fox says. But I tell you what, it, 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 there was no filler. It was all killer. Um, and uh, it was a really good episode. So thank you very much. There we go. I'll be getting that printed next week. So, uh, but uh, thank you. And hopefully we can get you on a, a future episode uh, to, talk more, to talk more NXT, more NXT UK, our two favourite subjects, of course. And, uh, so I hope you've enjoyed this episode if you did please don't forget to hit that subscribe don't forget to shout about this podcast tell your friends and tell your family and keep listening to Wrestling With Jonas for all of your weekly NXT UK NXT and WWE updates uh, please don't forget to check out the YouTube uh, exclusive show The Wrestling Experience I think we've given it a few plugs already during this episode uh, but episode 2 went up last weekend where we ranked the top 10 women on the NXT UK brand definitely worth a watch and don't forget to subscribe to that YouTube channel so that you can be notified every time new content goes up uh, as for this week uh, we, we are done uh, but we will be back uh, fairly soon uh, I've got some interviews lined up so uh, look out for uh, for some news on, on those and uh, as soon as I've done them I'll be shouting about them and getting them out on a future episode of the podcast I'm not going to say too much about them here and now but I've got some interviews lined up uh, so uh, stay tuned uh, stay tuned to the Wrestling With Jonas podcast and in the meantime, uh, take care, have yourself a good week, and we'll speak to you all soon. Mm-hmm.